0: Once again, I am Mario, the Artisan Rogue, and this is Radio 74, my podcast that is something of a record of what I go through as a creative and also my personal thoughts on certain things that will happen throughout my life. I had a circumstance earlier. I love going through TikTok and watching a lot of the different videos and accounts that will show up on my For You page. Sometimes they're, you know, run-of-the-mill sort of videos and they're just whatever, but I do love that out of all of the different social media networks, that is one that allows people, for better or for worse, the freedom to be able to express themselves in stories. And sometimes the narrations, the tellings of the stories can be either pretty pretty controlled or, or fairly excitable. There's, there's a wide range in there. So I always love to see what will show up on there. Now, from what I understand, and what I've been able to see, most of the things that show up on my for you page are, I would assume things that because of what I'll search for, or what I follow are reciprocal. They're similar things, but I had a one that was sent to me today that I didn't really expect. So this is going to tap a little bit into the whole, I was about to say work for hire. That's not what I mean. The whole quiet quitting thing. And this is a little bit of a, well, it's It's actually kind of a misunderstood concept. Now, I'm not going to go into all the depth and row about that aspect. That's probably for another discussion if and when that ever happens. I know I've touched about it before in an earlier episode, but the video that I watched was he looked like he was an older millennial and he was stitching another video that was talking about simply not wanting to go to work. Well, to sort of give you the cliff notes of what he talked about, because at first I thought, okay, I'm going to include his original audio on here, but I thought, no, I don't I don't want to do that. I, that was his content. I'm not going to reshare it like that. He goes into talking about how there is a point where he feels that he was lied to, that their generation was lied to by their parents and their grandparents who very much live in this. In the scope of thinking that getting up, going to work, rinse, wash, repeat, that's the way we have to live our lives. And he laments the fact that even if there's something you really love doing, it has to be monetized. It has to be turned into something for you to live on. And that really hit me, right? For the last few weeks, I had been spending ways trying to figure out how to turn more of what I do into monetization, into something that I can earn a living from and grow from. Now, I've known people that have had hobbies where once they get into it and they start streaming, recording, doing things over and over again, there is a burnout point that they'll hit where they suddenly don't find as much joy In what they're doing, I can use a perfect example of that. There's a fellow I follow on YouTube and across a couple of different channels, and I've met him in person. I actually bought his book from him at at QuadCon about a year ago. Pixel Dan, wonderful fellow, but he's often talked about how because he features and reviews a lot of toys from Mattel. He's had big connections, all these other things, and his career has really been on the uptick recently. And I could not be happy for it. happier for him, right? But he's brought up on occasion how burnout has really hit him. How, you know, you'll get something, you'll get a specific thing. and You think to yourself, I can't even open this until maybe I get some photos of it. I set it up right. I, you know, make it look good. And then I do a review on it. And I thought, you know, I go across that same sort of feeling on a much lesser scale right? When I get new art supplies or something, or I try and think, well, this would be a cool idea. Maybe I'll review these markers or I'll talk about this thing or whatever, trying to come up with content ideas, things to put across the different social media accounts I have. And I can honestly see where burnout can start to build, but let's not even go that far. Okay. Let's go back to the original point of taking something that you love and monetizing it so that that way you can get through life. So that way you can basically go from cradle to grave and be a part of the machinery a part just another cog in the whole mechanization moving forward it's no secret that i am not a fan of corporate conglomerate thinking i had worked for many of them over the years i always tried to find ways to fit in i always tried to find ways to take my own abilities my own capacities and creative capabilities and find ways to manifest them in these zones and find some kind of either compensation, attention, or praise for being able to do this for a company. And I can understand. In fact, I ended up responding back to the video saying, it's not just your generation. I'm generation X. And I have always felt that way. And I want to be clear, it isn't about the I don't want to work, but it is. At what point in our lives did it become the norm to become so focused on working on the there's just this undeniable hype behind the whole culture of just consistently trying to sell buy live hard, live fast, do all of these things, the hustle culture. When does it turn off? It feels like the phone that is sitting next to me, right? We truly live in a society, and I know I've touched on this before, where we are literally, for better or for worse, accessible 24 hours a day. And I know this from, you know, quite frankly, the past few days, I've had bouts of insomnia where I've been going to bed about 3, 4 in the morning. And I've really done nothing good during the hours of like probably twelve thirty to about 4 when I finally managed to pass out. I'll doom scroll. I'll play a game. I will check through my emails. I'll check every single bit of social media I have. Maybe add an additional post, some thoughts, something like that. Really, it's nothing that I couldn't have done the next morning. It's nothing I couldn't have taken care of later. And in that same zone, I think about a conversation that I talked about earlier on here where I had had problems trying to get, in fact, you know what? My, my memory is so bad that I can't remember if I ever ended up putting that podcast episode up or not. But there was one where I talked about how, not knowing my own boundaries, not being able to define those boundaries led to me having a lot of circumstances where I would be on call and be available to work whenever somebody needed me to be. Now, for the most part, that's fine. But coming full circle back around to what they're talking about, I truly believe it isn't about the idea of not wanting to work as much as it is being so burned out because there is no easy answer. And what I mean by that is this, if I go shopping, let's say I go to Walmart or Hy-Vee or any place, right? And I'm buying groceries. Why does it seem like $10 of things that I will put in a small basket now is almost a hundred dollars. Now that's a gross overestimation of what I'm using as an example, but doesn't it seem like Inflation has gotten to the point to where it's almost miring us down. We're not allowed to dream. We're not allowed to vacation. We're not allowed to do things without gaining an insurmountable amount of debt, worry, stress, extra hours. I could also argue, and this is from firsthand knowledge from people in my own life, including myself at one point in time, working to the point that you're running away from your problems or the problems therein that are in your life. Maybe you don't want to think about a medical condition. Maybe you don't want to think about things happening in your family or in, or in a relationship or whatever. Maybe you don't want to think about the fact that we don't really know what the future looks like for us. You see, my parents, my father was born in 41. My mother was born in 47. So they are from a very different, different, different generation. Okay. And. My father very much was like, you know, he's very much somebody who's like, well, you know, I don't understand why you got to, you know, go on the internet and apply for this. It used to be you get a handshake and get a job. Well, yes, this was true in the 1950s and the 60s and maybe even the 70s, possibly the 80s. But a lot of that has changed. And with the advent of the internet, not only have we become more connected, but more disconnected. There is literally a wall that is built up. People suffer social anxieties. There's a lot more expectation. And there's a lot more competition because of this. It has driven up the need for us to consistently be on, to consistently think about what more we can do. And it really hit me today when I started thinking about what I create in art and what more I could do with it to facilitate more income so that I could do other things and free up more time. I sort of offended myself. Not sort of. I actually did. Because I can tell you, there's never really been any time within the last hell, really the last 10 years, maybe some spots in there where I was really enjoying what I was doing, where I was 100% into the art I was doing. Now, the really annoying part about this is that I could either take a look at what I'm creating and say, well, I'm grateful that I'm at least making art. I'm making a living doing art. I'm eking out an existence, however it is, right, that I'm being a working artist, But it comes down into this whole thing where I don't understand why it has to be so hard to prove my worth as an artist, the worth of my work consistently. And I understand that creativity is something that is lauded, that is praised, that is craved that is in demand, really, but is rarely found to have either monetary or respect-ridden attention placed upon it. I've seen this happen whenever people are performing. I recently went to the Kansas City Zoo for a wonderful light show that was at night, and they had a few acrobats that were performing. Now, the good thing was this was fairly, fairly amazing stuff. Like, crazy balancing acts and all this other stuff. But even then there was, you know, there were more people were, and I was too, I was filming, I'm not going to lie, but I I've gotten really good at holding the phone to the side so I can actually watch it with my eyes and not miss out on it. Now that doesn't make me better than anyone else, but I'm acutely aware of how much I can disconnect myself and not really appreciate the moment and live within it. And there are times when I've had to force myself to put down the phone and live in that moment. And because of that, I think there's a certain artificiality that has begun to happen to a lot of us and how we view our lives and what we're living like and where we're heading. And so when this when this young man was talking on here about, I just don't want to go to work and I don't want to do things and I'm just tired. You could see it. You could hear it in how he was talking. And even in a lot of the other responses that I scrolled through, there was easily a thousand of them. And I just got through the first couple There was a huge number of people that thought the exact same way. Why? Why do I want to work? There is nothing that I feel like I'll be able to do and succeed in any grand way. And it honestly comes down to the fact that the larger corporations get, the less competition there is, the more solidified we become as assets for these companies. And I I remember there was a comment on there saying that if you that owning data is the big thing that then the companies work for us. Well, there may have been a point where that could have been a reality. We are far past that. I believe that a lot of people want to think that we still maintain control over who we are, what we do and where we go. I don't believe that's really the truth. And I remember that that was even a circumstance that would happen in any sort of societal upheaval that would happen or even societal Humdrum. So, whether you're looking at, you know, socioeconomical upheaval or cultural upheaval, people don't really want freedom. They want order or control. And it's a little unnerving when you think about it. Because they want to be able to go through life. They want to be able to do certain things. And they want repetition and familiarity. And that that, come, that manifests in everything from, I want to be able to go from Denver to New York and always find a Chili's that I could eat at. Or a McDonald's. I want to be able to go to this Walmart and still find a shirt that I really find comfortable. And when I go on vacation, find that same shirt if I happen to drop a chicken wing on it and I don't have time to run to the laundromat to clean it. There is a propensity for comfort that ends up infringing upon us at the exact same time that it, we are grateful for it because we've become accustomed to it. And I think that a lot of the younger generations, and I'm seeing this especially in art movements, are doing a few things. And I can break it down to these three assets. One, which is unfortunately the most depressing part, is they're living life for now and they don't really give a damn what's going to be coming down in the future. There are others that are concerned about the future, but don't know what in the world to do about it. And like me spend a lot of time stressing about it and trying to figure out what is my purpose? Me drawing a picture, isn't going to solve anything. And then there are others that are looking at it as not only can I not do anything about it, but I don't know that there's anything that can be done about it. And so it's almost the most hopeless of them. And I know that there's a whole variety of different versions in between. And I've spoken to a lot of people that they're just like, you know, I just want to be able to do this. And then that's it. I think some people and what I mean by that is they just want to be able to work a job, get to a certain point. Maybe they'll be able to live or maybe cancer or something will take them out when they're 60 or 70. And it's become a point where human existence has literally begun to lose more and more of what it means to be human, what it means to live our lives, what it means to live. And so when I hear this guy say, I don't want to work, I get it, right? Why would somebody want to work for a corporation? Why would somebody want to work for a company or a job? Let's just say a job. Let me take, let me get off my soapbox of railing against corporations for a second here. Why would you want to work for a job or a bunch of people that didn't really understand what you brought to the table. And even if you worked for a company that did, how many people, think about it right now, in your head, go in your head, think about your history, your work life, your people you worked with. Think of the people that are always putting in that extra hour every day, their salary or their hourly. It doesn't really matter. And even if you're getting paid for it, think about how much less time you spend with family, with friends, with your pets, with your hobbies. I have a massive amount of what I like to call reading debt. I know right now, cause I actually cataloged my books after the flood happened down here. I have close to 167 books. In fact, I just got another one today in the mail right here next to me. So it's 168 books that I'd love to read. Right. And I'm not even I'm not even counting my comic book collection. Thankfully, those are the things that when I get them from a show, I read them before I board and bag them and put them away. And I'm pretty selective about that. And a lot of them were from my childhood, too. So they've been read and I have reread them and put them away. But the books I'm talking anything that's over 50 pages, you know, there's a ton of them I have not read. And that same sort of thing applies to other things. I've got a bunch of Gundam models sitting behind me at my other workstation. They need to be built. I've got a lot of other stuff that I've still got to complete. When does that happen? It's interesting that we live in a world that manifests and and provides a lot of things. Right now with streaming services and the redundant nature of entertainment, we have options between movies, podcasts, Things on YouTube and Twitch, board games, dancing, I mean, just all sorts of things. There has never been a time where I can think that people have more options to do more things by yourself with groups of people, virtually in real life or otherwise, and at the exact same time, no time to do anything without scheduling, without dealing with stress, without doing all of these things, but ultimately you're also still limited by the foundations of how much wealth do you have? How much time do you have? What is your health like? All of that plays right back into why would I want to work that much for something that is ultimately not doing me any good? Sure. A paycheck is handy. Sure. Health insurance can be helpful. There are things there. But ultimately what I'm beginning to understand is the same thing that I have wondered since I got out of college. When you work for corporations, there is a large number of people that they're so happy. They got a job or just something stable in their lives. They're willing to suffer through it. They're willing to deal with the downtrodden pangs, the disappointment and just go, well, that's how life is. Well, you know, working for Fridays, working for the weekend, Thank God it's Friday. All of these things as if this is some wonderful thing to look forward to. Now it took me until I was much older to break away and start to really want to own what I'm doing. And I'm suffering through all kinds of things, crushing self-doubt, depression, you name it, right? Because running a business, doing stuff like this, sitting here at, well, it's 12 4 AM right now and recording this podcast Not just, as I've said before, for a record, but also maybe in the hopes that somebody will listen to it and glean some information from it, from my experience. It's something I wanted to do. And I would still be doing this. I mean, I've been doing, I've done a ton of these episodes. And there is something intrinsically cool about being able to have the freedom to be able to do this and not have to worry about getting up really early tomorrow to go to work, to fight, rush hour traffic, to do anything like that. I did it for years and I was under the assumption that it was going to get better. Now I can only imagine what it's like to be in my twenties or thirties and, and know that it's not getting better to be able to talk to people from Gen X onward and go, well, you know, how is it going? Yes, there are wonderful success stories out there. Yes, there are incredibly cool things, but it also hit me how many of those people I know that have been successful, like Pixel Dan, like other people that literally took something they loved as a hobby, as an interest, and turned it into a job. Now, don't get me wrong. I do enjoy what I do, and I am looking forward to creating and being my own boss more and and owning myself again. But there is a point where I wished that Maybe some jobs had worked out so that I was able to keep the fire going for what I wanted to do, what I loved and have that as well on the side. But as hard as I tried, it was never really going to manifest that way. It was just never coming together. And I couldn't figure out why for the longest time. Now, maybe there are other people out there that can do both. Maybe there's other people out there that are capable of powering through, but that's not me. Now, personally, I'm just worn out, tired, disillusioned with a lot of things, and I've been working really hard to get back up on my horse and get better at it, you know, be more accepting and understand, you know, more about the reasons why I made the decisions I did to go into this. Because when I went full-time freelance, there was, and it's still kind of that way. There were some times where I'm like, I have no income coming in right now. If I don't have shows like Air Cap, which is going to be happening this coming weekend, I don't know. And even then those are gamble, right? And Lord knows I've known I've gone through that already. I've had a few shows that I literally didn't make very much at. In fact, I just did a review of Fountain City that I got I got ripped up at that show. It was terrible, you know. There just wasn't any sales for me. And when you think about all the effort you put into it, it starts to ring true what they're saying. Why would I want to work if I can't make ends meet? These people aren't asking to see their dreams and their desires and their hobbies turn into the way that they make money. They still want to love those things. They still want to be comfortable with them. And not everyone wants to make a career out of that. But what choice do we have? What choices can there be? You know? I've run across people that have worked for major animation studios doing, you know, special effects and stuff. And in passing, I would mention that I had, you know, my previous little indie comic pagan zoetrope. And I remember hearing them like, Oh man, that's see, that's, that's awesome, man. I wish I could do that. I wish I could just get out of this and do that. I'm like, yeah, you work for insert large company, you know, in the movies or something like that. Like not that they were specifically jealous of my output, that they had dreams, that they had things that they wanted to do. But because they were fighting so hard to keep it separate from their work, which is fair, because if you work in creative capacity and you're sitting at work and you draw something, you were technically under the hours. Even if you were on site or on break or something, there's always that danger zone that a company could own what you make. But I re- I remembered conversations like that over the different art shows I've done where people have often thought, I wish I could get to that point and walk away from that. but. There is something comforting about being able to work for a company and have that to be able to stand on and work within. And I get it. I mean, as much as I talk bad about Hallmark for the time that I was working full time there, it was fairly repetitious. It was fairly bizarre because there would be plenty of times where maybe I will never forget one time. And this is I know I've got the emails to back this crap up. I used to save everything because I was like, someday I'm going to write a book about this. But I want to, I probably can't release it until I'm close on my deathbed because Hallmark would sue the pants off of me into next year. <laughs> I'd probably have to, oh, God, it would be terrible. But I can tell this story. When I first got, no, not when I first got hired on there. The second time I managed to get back on there, it took two and a half weeks to get me a computer. Okay? So IT had to get the computer ordered, had to get everything taken care of, had to get the Adobe Creative software loaded up and everything else like that. And because it was going to take so long, I was put into training, which is normal, right? So I had to sit with some other people. So it didn't look too, um, uh, where it would probably be audacious or bizarre. I don't know. You could throw any kind of adjective in there and any sort of descriptive. Essentially, I didn't have anything to do. See, I'd already worked there prior and I kind of understood the work culture and how things work. Now there were some new file systems I had to work with, storage, things like that, that are uniquely Hallmark. Because of that, I spent a few days reviewing and going over things. and I was handed sheaves of printed out things that they were like, I forget exactly what we called them. I used to work on them, too. But it was essentially these, it was a system that they had that if, if somebody got fired, there was this massive book of information that you could go back. And I'm certain other corporations have had these, too. And you can kind of, you know, troll through it and figure out how to do this other person's job in their absence. And I would read through those. And after a few days, I was pretty sure I knew what my job was entailing and how to do it. And thank goodness I brought a sketchbook at that point in time. I was doing a project for this initiative through sketchbook mobile. And the whole idea behind that, that actually that very first sketchbook is still with sketchbook mobile, or at least I hope it is. They had a fire recently and a lot of them got destroyed, but I, had enough time over that those two weeks to draw it. I would film it. There was, there's actually a YouTube video about me creating it. It's okay. Artwork, but it was more, I didn't really know what I was doing or how to present it. And it was a little narrative and I'll, I'll never see that book again. It's, it's been sent off many years ago and part is part of their collection. But I remember I had enough time to do that. And there, if I hadn't had that, I literally would have been able to just wander around the complex, the whole campus there. Cause there wasn't anything to do. And even as at, at that, the other people in the group didn't have a lot to do. We relied on other work that was upstream from us coming you know down toward us and then being able to work on that. Well, for any of you that know, it's not like greeting cards or knocking anyone over right now, it's still a huge industry, but there just wasn't a lot of work to do. And the company was very bloated at that, at that time with employees. But I remember thinking to myself, this is nuts because honestly, even when I say Hallmark, I just want you to think about that word out loud, right? Hallmark. When you hear it, you think of a couple of things probably, right? You probably think of the Hallmark movies, which the main campus had really very little to do with. I found out that is a separate company, kind of. If you're a super fan of Hallmark, you also think of either ornament collections or the fact that they invented the character of, I want to say Starlight, and that is not true. I cannot remember her name. My God, my brain just went, boo, 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 boo. star bright, starlight. No, 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 that's, that's something out. But the point is, there's a couple of things you'll think about with that, right? But one of the things you may not think about is complete and total corporate weirdness in the fact that I had a two and a half week span where when I had no computer, I would just sometimes sit at my desk. And I remember my boss at that time telling me, just keep your head down, read the notes, don't make a big deal about it. If anyone asks about your computer, just say, well, it's in route or something, or if you happen to see the same people coming by, just make sure you go over to another booth and just don't be at your desk, that sort of thing. And I remember how strange that was. And I don't like to just waste time. Now, don't get me wrong. I was getting paid, I think, $32 an hour to literally do nothing. And I had to be there. It wasn't like I could go home. It wasn't like I could start my job two weeks later. No, the start date was a start date. Corporate was expecting me to be there and numbers and financials and things like that were running. I wasn't the only one. There was two other people hired at the same time I was. And we went through the exact same circumstance. That to me is surreal that's a lot of the reasons why I don't put a lot of trust into larger companies and how they manage people's lives. If you don't really know that you had three employees that for two and a half weeks didn't really have anything to do because you didn't even provide them with the Macs that we needed or the software or the phone connections or anything else that was necessary. Where is the failing in there? And that just reflected back as to how little I mattered because I didn't get anything done for that time. And the company didn't go anywhere. Nothing really changed. Same old, same happened. People just came to work, went in their cubicles, head down, trudged down th- through the days. And I do remember that even though that was the case and I made money, I was bored out of my mind. And I thought, I have made a mistake. Now, if it weren't for the fact that I met a lot of wonderful people while I worked there, a good number of them that I keep in touch with now, there would have been nothing rewarding about having worked there. In truth, there is very little of anything that I learned working for that company that I could transcend over into any other. I couldn't transfer that over to any other company if I really wanted to, with the sole exception of learning some things in the creative suite. But those were things, too, that I was learning far faster on my own in a much less stress environment. In my own home studio. So I guess I leave you guys with this thought. What does it mean to you. To live and to work. Where does that work balance really come in. Because that's what I hear when I hear somebody say I just don't feel like working anymore. I'm tired. I'm beat down. Society has finally broken me. And I really get it. I really do. And I'll leave you with this example. Thank goodness for therapy. I've been able to get through this, but I am not ashamed to say that for a long time, because of the jobs I worked, I relied on people, middle management, a lot of times to be able to give me a focus point on how to get things done on what next to do. And when I find myself with free time, I am genuinely confused as to what to do next, how to manage my time effectively to become self-sufficient enough to get going. What's ironic about that, what is so weird is if you go out and you look right now for any jobs, mainly in the creative field, even if you're not a creative, I dare you to do this. Take a look at them. Go out into any of these job sites, any one of them, or to the main companies, look them up. There's almost always these catchphrases, self-starter, self-management, all of these things about specific roles that are overpowered and underpaid. They want you to be able to do a multitude of things. And that's because so much of the skill sets have overlapped. And I can understand why people feel this way. Maybe it's not the skill sets, but you're asked to work extra hours to put in that little extra bit of time, which is exactly what the quiet quitting aspect is. Is about. And I even hate that term quiet quitting because it's not quiet quitting. It's getting paid for what the hell you're worth. Whether you're attempting to sell a piece of artwork for a specific amount of money, there should be no question as to why, regardless of the quality or the professionalism in that art. If that person feels that that's what it's worth, that's what it's worth. We're not talking vintage antiques here. We're talking a skill set unique to this person and the output and what you're getting out of it that can go across the board in all career fields. And I'm hoping that as we move forward, there will be more focus and more to learn as to what part we play and how much control we've truly lost. And it's evident in everything from how, we've become less valuable as an individual and even more worth as a disposable cog in the system. Wow. That was a really heavy episode for me. (laughs) And I I think I kind of went all over the place. But at any rate, thank you for listening. I am Mario the Artisan Rogue. This is Radio 74. You can find me on all kinds of social media. I am on everything. I am revamping and updating my YouTube channel after the first of the year. There has not been an update on there for quite a while. I had somebody comment on that and and they are absolutely right. The majority of my video stuff has been on TikTok. That's been really great. There's been a lot of good feedback and some wonderful stuff on there. So if you're on that, please follow me on there. It's the Rogue is normal. And you can find almost all of the links on any one of the social media sites you'll find me on. There is going to be a release this next year at CON for my graphic novel that is coming out for The World of Ardor. Volume 1 is coming out at that point in time. In fact, that's what I'm going to be working on right now as soon as I get off this microphone. And I've got a whole bunch of new stuff coming up that is going to be released at Air Cap this weekend and then making it onto my Etsy store. So I did a bunch of, like, for the first time in a long time, I had really stayed away from doing fan art. But I got a lot of requests for, hey, I would really like to see this character and, that. and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give it a shot. I'm not going to advertise it. I'm not really going to talk about it much, but there is a reason behind all of this and it'll be published a little bit later. It's more of a fun thing for me and something that I'm like, I'm going to embrace this for now and see how far it can go. At the same time, I am not giving up on World of Ardor or Pagan Zoetrope or any of the other books and stories I have that I'm going to be releasing out there. Those are certainly coming along and I am hoping for real this time after the first of the year to be changing up the format of this particular podcast to be including other people. I didn't get around to it this year, most of it. And honestly, with COVID and everything else having happened prior, it made me a little gun shy to want to try it. But now I finally got some key equipment that I needed that was just really simple and quick and easy to use without a whole bunch of hassle. So hopefully there'll be some good things coming forward with that. And I can't wait to really jump into that again. Thanks for listening. And I will catch you guys in the next episode.